You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. your Bibles, you can open to Ephesians 4, 29. And Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. I just thank you. And I praise you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you don't treat us like our sins deserve. I thank you that you are merciful and you are mighty and you are good and you are compassionate, and you're long-suffering, and thank you that you love us, Lord. And Father, I just give you praise and honor and glory tonight. I just want so badly to see you work. I want so badly to get out of the way so that you can work. I don't want to hinder anything that you want to do. I want to see your lordship rule and reign in this place. And Father, I so badly want to see lives touched for you. I I want to see this body of believers set ablaze for you, Lord, set on fire for you. I thank you that they are men and women who love you, who are committed to you, who know they're called by you, they're chosen by you. And Father, I pray that you just continue to build us and equip us. And I ask, Lord God, that you be magnified tonight above all things, Lord God. Above any burden, above any care, any concern, any fear, any worry, any anxiety. Be exalted above depression tonight, Lord, I pray. Be exalted in this place. Father, I pray that you just shine your light on your word that you would help me to clearly and effectively minister your word tonight. Father, that when I speak, that that, that my words would not be received as the words of man, but as the very words of God, that when I open my mouth, that words would be given to me, and that I would declare them as fearlessly as I ought. Father, I pray for revelation to be attached to my words, that even as they hit the people, Lord God, that it, it would hit with the, with the force of your spirit, Lord God, uh, with the revelation of your spirit, and that there would be understanding that would bring transformation in this room. Father, would you bless us with your presence? Would you rain down in this place? Well, would you let your fire fall and your wind blow, Lord God? Would you saturate us, Lord, with your presence? Would you let your glory fill this place, Lord God? I thank you, Lord, that holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Lord, I just pray that your train would fill this temple tonight. Fill it, Lord. We're eager to hear from you, Lord. I'm expectant to hear from you. And I pray, Father God, for, a, for, for, for a, 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 a true encounter with your presence tonight. A transforming encounter, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 4, uh, 29. I, I will tell you that I promised you that I would begin to, to go to verse 7 in Psalm 91 today. 
but, but I fibbed. I really was sincere when I said it. <laughs> I'm going to learn not to say that because this week as I turned to, to verse 7 and I began to study it, I, I said, Lord, what do you want me to teach? And, and you have to know that when I, before I begin to study for the sermon that I'm going to preach, I'm on my knees and I say, Lord, I don't want this to be a work of men. Do you, do you understand that we don't want it to be a work of men? You don't want something that I just have fine sounding words that I worked on and picked every word just so. You, you don't want it to be something that the mind of man has put together. And one of the things that I pray constantly is is, Lord, let this message not be the words of man. Let it be just a download. I'm here, Lord God. I'm waiting for the download of your Holy Spirit. I want this to be the words of God to these people and not the words of Rhea. I'm very intentional about that because I'm just going to tell you, if what I spoke to you was the words of Rhea, we would all leave disappointed. I so want it to be his words. Do, do you not want it to be his words? Lord, we want it to be your words. And so this week as I was studying, I just felt like, you know, two weeks ago we talked about the arrows of the enemy. We talked about the poison and the pestilence and the destruction that words can bring, that the enemy brings at us to try to destroy us. We talked about the arrow and how an archer picks his target and he points it at just the right spot. He's aiming to destroy. He's aiming to drain us of life. Do you know he's after you? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. It's his mission in life. And we we talked about that two weeks ago, and then last week we went back to that verse again, and we talked about how uh, our people can be tools in the hands of the enemy, and people's words can kill. People's words, we, we talked about uh, Mark chapter 16, where he says, you will drink deadly poison, and it will in no way harm you. And we talked about the, the word deadly poison, and how James says, the tongue is full of evil, and it's full of deadly poison. Our words are full of deadly poison. And we talked last week about how people's words have poisoned us. Uh, some of you have been poisoned from words that were spoken over you as a child, and they've harmed you, they've injured you. When, when Mark, in Mark, Jesus says, you shall drink deadly poison, and it will in no way harm you. That word drink means to imbibe, to take into, to retain right here. And some of you have retained that deadly poison that's been spoken over you for way too long. And we talked about how those words are not going to harm you if you're hidden in that secret place, if you're spending time in God's presence, if you really understand that you are hidden with God in Christ Jesus, that those words do not have power over you. You can forgive the person who's hurt you because you understand they're just tools in the hand of the enemy. Pity them for that. And so I was going to close there, and then this week the Lord said to me, Rhea, you've talked about the enemy, you've talked about other people, now I want you to talk about them. I want you to talk about you, Rhea. And how you can be a tool in the hand of the enemy. And how your words can be used to bring people down. I'm like, Lord, didn't we cover that already in somebody else? And, and I just felt like I was supposed to go back to this scripture again. So forgive me, but we're going to do what the Lord has told me to do. Next week, perhaps, we'll move on <laughs> to verse 7. Ephesians 4, 29. Such a good scripture. Don, do we? Yes, we do. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk, somebody say unwholesome. unwholesome. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Look at that. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. I want you to look at that scripture. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That word unwholesome was the word that in Paul's day was, was used to describe fish that had set out in the dock too long in the sun. It was a picture of rottenness. It was a picture of foul, of, of, of nasty, unkind words. Cuss words, slander, gossip, criticism, uh, just nasty, unkind words. Words that had no business in the mouth of a child of God. Don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Uh, the New King James says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but only what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, I want to just take that apart for you. He says, let no unwholesome talk. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. Don't let it. In other words, that thought is going to come. Who knows we have thoughts sometimes that are not really good. I, sometimes I look at somebody and I say, I'd like to say this thing to them. I, you know, somebody looks at me wrong and I'd like to say a thing or two. I've told you I have a bit of a temper. And sometimes not such Christian things go through my head. Anybody, I know you're more spiritual than I am. But, but has anybody ever had that happen where you think something that, boy, it's probably better not to let that come out of my mouth. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That tells me that we have an option. <laughs> that, that I don't just, you know, sometimes I think I don't have an option. I, I, I just have to say this. You see, some of you think that I, I just, you know, you are entitled to my opinion. <laughs> let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. I have a choice. Uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We have self-control. Just because that word, that thought is coming through my mind doesn't mean I have to voice it to you. Doesn't mean I have to let it go. Just because I'd like to rip you to shreds with my words doesn't mean I have to let it go. Let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, Rhea Briscoe. You can control them. Don't let them proceed, the new King James says. Don't let them go out. Don't let them go forth. Don't let them come forth. Yeah, I read somewhere that, that, that the, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from building a nest in your hair. You can't stop some thoughts from coming through your mind, but you can sure keep them from, from building a nest there and staying there and coming out of your mouth. Just because a thought comes through your mind does not make it a sin. It's only when you allow it a stronghold or a foothold, as, uh, it's only when you allow it to take up residency there that it really becomes a sin. Only let what is necessary edification. I love that. Edification means to build up. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you that we as people, it's necessary for us to be built up. Uh, do you just love to, build, to be built up? I, I, uh, women, I'm just going to tell you, you've heard me say this before. The Bible says women honor your husbands, respect them. And this weekend I was talking to quite a, we had quite a few women whose marriages just were in shambles. And, and they would say, Rhea, I don't even like the guy anymore. 
anymore. I'm staying married to him, but he goes his way and I go my way. And I'd be like, I don't think that's God's idea for marriage. And I think sometimes we just get comfortable with that. But, but, but women, here's the reality. God says, honor that man. Well, you say, I'm not real sure there's anything left for me to honor him about. Then find something. Tell him that his hair looks nice. Tell him that nobody mows the lawn like you do. Tell him that I can't even believe you can change the oil in the car. Find something to honor that man. That women, I'm just going to speak to you married women. That there are enough women around him that want to build him up. Don't let the secretary at work do that for you. You make sure you're the one. Make him feel like a man when he comes through that door. Make him feel like he is all that matters. Uh, just call. You say, well, Rhea, he doesn't deserve it. Can I tell you, he is made in the image of God. Call the God image forward. Call it forward. Find something to honor that man over. You say, well, Rhea, he doesn't deserve it. God said it. End of discussion. He didn't say, if he treats you well, honor him. He said, we have the power. The Bible says, we have the power of life and death right here. A wise woman builds her house. A foolish one tears it down with her very own hands. I think it really probably should mean mouth right there because we can do it. This is the power of life and death. It's a choice. It's a choice what's coming out of it. It's a choice. Some of you don't even like that I just said that. Try it. Watch it change your marriage. Watch it. That it may impart grace to your hearers. That word grace, it means particularly that which causes joy, pleasure, gratification, favor, or acceptance. You know grace. God gives us grace. He not only gives us mercy. See, mercy says, Rhea, you deserve hell, but, but I, I'm not going to give it to you. But grace says, not only do you deserve hell, Rhea, and I'm not going to give it to you, but I'm going to give you Heaven instead. You see, mercy doesn't give us what we deserve, but grace gives us what we don't deserve. Oh, do you, do you not love that? We have amazing grace in our life. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. And here he's saying, make sure your words impart grace to your hearers. That word grace means a favor done without expectation of return. That, that means if you say something mean to me and I want to, to give you something back, I'm going to stop and say, Oh, only what builds her up. <laughs> only what imparts grace, Rhea. Don't let anything else come out of your mouth. And you say, well, she doesn't deserve it. Doesn't matter. Grace gives it without expectation of return. I might get nastiness back, but I'm giving grace. I'm giving you a favor without expectation of return. You deserve me to slap you silly, but I am going to give you grace. It's power. It will empower you. The other stuff will pull you down without any expectation of return. Rhea, he doesn't talk nice back to me. It doesn't matter. I'm not looking for him to talk nice back to me. I'm looking to obey the Lord because with obedience comes blessing. Let me ask you a question. Do your words build up or do they tear down? Do they benefit those who listen? We need to be careful, not because our hearers deserve what we're going to say, but because the Bible says, uh, look at the rest of that passage, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I just want to keep this in context because we really take this verse way out of context, do we not? How many times have you heard people say, oh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit? 
Let's keep it in context. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? That's where the scripture comes from. That's the one everybody quotes. We grieve him with our unkind, nasty, foul, rotten words. We grieve him with the bitterness, rage, and anger in our life. That's what that scripture is, that verse is sandwiched between. And so when you choose to respond to somebody with kindness, with love, with grace, you're not doing it because they deserve it. You're doing it because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives within you, and you don't want to grieve him. That word grieve means to, to distress, to sadden. Oh, you're, you're making sad the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you. He's hearing every word you say, and he's grieving. You see, some, some of you are thinking, it's been forever since I really felt the presence of God in my life, since I really felt the glory being poured out in my life. It's because you're in a constant state of grieving the Holy Spirit with the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. We need to take a word fast, church. We need to start saying, just this week, let me give you a homework assignment. I, I just want you to just this week say, I, I'm going to do a word fast. I'm going to put a lock on my lips. Lord, lock my lips. Don't let me say anything that doesn't build somebody up. Don't let me say anything that doesn't impart grace. Don't let, it, don't let me say anything that doesn't leave somebody good to see you that doesn't leave somebody feeling better when I'm done with them than they did before I came. Oh, see, let's just choose a word fast this week. Just, just try it one week and see how, what a difference it makes in your life. See what a difference it makes in your demeanor. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I was, I was meditating on that verse this week, and, and I said to Dave, I think sometimes that we think because we're sealed... Who knows we're sealed? I really have trouble with people who are in constant fear of losing their salvation. See, the scripture I read says that nobody can snatch you out of my hands. And if you have to question whether or not you're still saved, I wonder if you ever were to begin with. Because I think sometimes we make it way too, you know, we, we just, it's, it's a fire insurance instead of a real commitment. It's, it, we, we don't really, uh, we, we don't make a commitment. It's, it's this emotional thing and we don't really realize that we are surrendering our life to him. We're giving our life to him. We're turning over the steer, steering wheel of our life and we're letting him have full control. But I believe in assurance of salvation. I believe nobody can snatch you out of his hand once he has you. Once you've given your life to him. So you are sealed for the day of redemption. You're sealed. But I think sometimes we use that as an excuse to live however we want. My son Tyler says, Mama, we want to go to heaven, but we want to live like hell to get there. And I think sometimes that's how we live. We think because we're sealed and we're going to heaven, we can live however we want. We can go and confess our sin later and everything is peachy cane honky-dory. And maybe that's, that's true. But here's what I want to tell you. Do you know what you're missing? Do, do you know what you're missing by not living a life that pleases God? Do you know what you're missing by not walking in obedience? I, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I, I'm just telling you, you can live like hell to get there if you want. But you are missing the blessing of obedience. You're missing it. He says, you're sealed. But remember what that disobedience does to the Spirit of God living within you. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. That's all poison rolling off our lips. Poison that's going to wound somebody else. 
poison that's going to destroy somebody else. How can you live in the secret place of the Most High? How can you dwell in His presence, step out, and then say stuff like that to people? How can you live in the presence of God? How can you spend time with Him and then step out from Him and say, let me just tell you a little bit of juicy gossip. How can we do that, church? How can we do that? I want to call you up higher. I want you to stop and think about what's coming out of your mouth and what it's doing to God. I have to do the same thing. I, I said to Les, I, I'm not preaching something that I've mastered. I'm preaching something that he's teaching me, and you just get the overflow of it. He said to me, Rhea, this week, he said, Rhea, enough is enough. I want you to clean it up. I'm pretty clean. I will tell you I'm pretty good with this, except maybe when it comes here or to Dave. I almost feel like sometimes I have the go-ahead when it's, you know, less understands. She's the only person that I'm telling, Lord, certainly it should be okay to just chat with her about this. Or he's my man, Lord, and, and he knows I'm hurting. And, and, and wouldn't it just be okay to say to him, she ticks me off. Clean it up, Rhea. Clean it up. Clean it up. Not acceptable. Are you kidding me, Lord? Who do I talk to about this then? Me. Me. Clean it up. Do you have to? No. Do I have to? No. But I want to. Because you see... That spout where the glory comes out, I want to be under it as much as I possibly can. Little heroin addicts that come to me and want to know about Jesus, I want 500 million of them. Little uh, Puerto Rican ladies who say, I can't even understand English, I can't speak English, but I understood every last word you said and I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want more of that. Do you not want that in your life? Do you understand that if we just watched, 95% of our problems is, is because we've done something here. Somebody comes back, you lose your reputation because they said you said this about them and it got back to them. You did it yourself. You told a lie. You can't keep up with it. You see, if we just told truth from the beginning, you never would have to think, did I really say that? Well, how do I cover this one up? You don't have to do that if you just tell the truth all the time. So much easier. So much easier. James 3.8 says, but the tongue no man or woman is able to tame. It's an ever-busy mischief, and it's full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, there proceed blessing and curses, and my brethren, this should not be. Proverbs 18.21 says, the, the tongue has the power of life and death. But the one that got me the most this week, you see the end of that passage that I read to you says, be imitators of God. And this week the Lord said to me, Rhea, when you accuse, when you slander, when you gossip, when you backbite, when you're angry, when you rage, when you're full of malice, you imitate the enemy. That's who he is. But when you are full of love and compassion and mercy, you imitate me. When you're kind and compassionate, you imitate me. Let me ask you a question tonight. Who are you imitating? 
Here's the scripture that got me this week. 1 John 3.10. He said, this is how we know we are children of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. That word love, uh, it doesn't indicate feelings of, of mushy, warm, uh, affectionate feelings. That's not what that love is there. It means to esteem. It's an indicating a direction of the will. You say, Rhea, I don't even like them. How do you want me to love them? Uh, it doesn't mean love, smoochy, kissy, you're my best friend kind of love. It means I'm going to esteem you. I'm going to choose to edify you. I'm going to choose to speak well of you. I'm going to choose to bless you when I could curse you. I I'm going to choose it. It's a direction of the will because I'm going to love you because God told me to. But this is how you know if you're children of God or children of the devil. If you don't love your brother, guess what? Does that just knock you down? Does that not just convict your heart? We've got to start looking at this word and taking it for what it means. He says, be imitators of God. I want you to see there that word devil that's underlined. Do you see that? I can take you to a million scriptures that talk about the word devil. Uh, the devil entered him, talking about Judas when he accused Jesus, when he slandered Jesus. Uh, the devil took Jesus to the wilderness, or the, the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, and there the devil tempted him. Are you, you following me? Lots of devils. Sometimes he's called Satan. Sometimes he's called devil. Sometimes he's called serpent. Sometimes uh, lots, of, lots of names. We're going to look at those in a bit. But this one I want you to see the word devil there. That word devil means diabolos. It means slander, slanderer, uh, slanderous, the devil. It means to accuse, a false accuser. It, it means one who falsely accuses and divides people without any reason. The, the New American Standard Exhaustive Concordance translates it as malicious gossips. Uh, anybody finding their self in, these, in, this, in this definition? It means to slander, to accuse, to defame. It means a false accuser who unjustly criticizes. It means to hurt or condemn or to sever a relationship. In secular Greek, that word means a backbiter, a gossip. It's literally someone who casts through making charges to bring down and destroy. Are you finding yourself in that definition? The word is diabolos. It means devil. It's the word for devil, and yet I can find myself. I know you're more spiritual than I am, but I can find myself in some of those definitions. Do you ever slander? Do you ever accuse? Are you ever critical? Do you ever backbite? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4 says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Will, people will be lovers of themselves, Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, diabolos, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. 
Titus 2.3 says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders. That word is diabolos, the word for devil. The word diabolos is two words. One of them is, is dia. It means it carries the idea of penetration. It's the, it's, it's the picture of like throwing something over and over and over till it penetrates. Balos means to throw. And it's a picture of the enemy throwing accusations over and over and over to try to penetrate us. Or whispers that, that just he throws over and over and over till it penetrates our mind. Or, or, or feelings of, of criticism or, or, or shame or guilt that he brings at you and he, he throws it at you over and over and over till it penetrates. Are you laying awake at night, meditating on something, can't get the thought out of your head, I guarantee you it's diabolos. And he's coming alongside of you and he's throwing, 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 trying to penetrate and get his thoughts in your mind. Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. He's diabolos. Another one I want you to see is Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. Stay with me here. I promise I'm going somewhere. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Guess what the word is? Diabolos. Okay, I want you to see that word give place. It means give an entry. Wait. Give an entry. Give, don't give him an entry into your life, okay? Don't be angry. Be angry. Do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And do not give place to the devil. Do, do you understand what he's saying here? What happens when you're angry with somebody? Anybody else besides me say things you don't really want to say? Anybody ever do that? Do you see what he's saying here? Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil, to diabolos. Uh, do you understand that the word devil, he's, he's also known as the accuser of the brethren. Anybody know he's also known as that? The accuser of the brethren. <laughs> he's an accuser. He's a slanderer. He's a fault finder. That's what diabolos means. He's, he's all those things. And, and, and he's saying, when you're angry, do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place for diabolos. <laughs> don't give place for him to come and penetrate your thoughts and throw his accusations. You see, what happens is when you get angry with somebody and you lay in bed at night and you rehearse what they did to you, and you're thinking over and over and over, they said this, and I really don't like that they said this, and when I see them, I think I'm going to say this, 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 and this, and you sit there, and my husband did this to me, and I'm going to just pull away from him, and I'm not going to get close to him anymore, and I'm going to say this, and, and I'm just, I'm putting a wall up, so I can't, and my wife, she doesn't appreciate what I do, she doesn't, she doesn't even care, she's laying at home doing nothing, I'm out working all the time, and, and all of those thoughts, do you think those are your thoughts? Those are diabolos. He's coming alongside of you, and he's throwing, throwing, throwing accusations about that person into your mind because he wants to penetrate your mind with them so that, guess what? You become a tool in his hand, and you throw the flaming arrows. You throw the deadly poison. Drink that, would you? I got something I want you to drink. It's from my tongue, and it's full of deadly poison. Drink it in. Diabolos. Diabolos. And we become what? A tool in the hand of the enemy. Who does not want to be in that place anymore? I don't want to be a tool in his hand one more day. 
of getting smart. Anybody else besides Rhea Briscoe getting smart in this room? Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Don't be unaware. You can imitate God. And he says, be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other like God, like, like Christ, uh, like God forgave you through Christ. Or you can be a slanderer, a gossip, a backbiter, an accuser, a defamer, critical, nasty, unkind. Guess who you're imitating? It says, you become like your father, the devil. Oh, that just bothers me. Let me find that scripture because I just, it about knocked me off my feet this week. Don, do you have it back there? Did I give that to you? Oh, here you go. John 8, 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil, Diabolos. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar. And the father of lies. He's the father of lies. Oh, I just want to tell you people, we've got to watch our lies. There's this, there, I, can, I don't have it in my notes. It's just coming through my head. But somewhere, David, maybe you could find that. There's a, there's a scripture that says there are uh, uh, six things that the Lord detests. Seven, I think, is how it ends. And, and he lists these things that the Lord detests. He hates. The Lord hates it. He hates it. Do you know what one of them is? A lying tongue. Think about that the next time you want to lie. It's one of the seven things that the Lord hates. He hates it. He detests it. Because he knows that you're acting like your father. The father of lies. Which father are you going to act like? You, you see, you, you, you act like your father. I, I have a biological father that, that I, I, I look like him, I, I, but I never lived with him. I wasn't raised with him, so I don't act a lot like him. But I got a daddy that adopted me. I got a daddy that raised me, and I act like that daddy. I, I don't have any of his blood going through me, but I act like him. And can I tell you, we were born. <laughs> sinners. Guess who our daddy was? And, and, and uh, we can choose to act like him or we can say, I don't live with you anymore. I'm not acting like you anymore. I've been adopted by the king of kings and the lord of lords. I want to act like that daddy. I may not have his biological, but I, oh, I got the breath of life in me. I got his breath in me and I'm going to act like him. Who are you acting like? He says, don't act like your father, the devil. Because he was a murderer from the beginning. I was shocked this week when I looked up that word murderer, and it means manslayer. Oh. I wonder how many of us slay men with our words. I wonder, the, the, the definition is one who commits homicide, who kills another. You say, well, Rhea, I would never do that. Look at Matthew 5, 21 through 22. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words 
kill. Ask any child like the one you're looking at who was raised in a home with an angry mom in a dysfunctional home with a broken mother who had things spoken over her all of her life. Trust me with this one. Words kill. They kill the spirit of a child. Mamas, watch what you're speaking over your children. Daddies, watch what you're speaking over your sons and daughters. Your words have the power of life and death. We've got to watch. Watch what we're speaking over our friends. Watch what we're speaking over our spouses. Watch what we're speaking over our, our employees at work. Your words, the grocery store clerk. Today, I was having lunch, and, and I have my, my Bible open, and I'm studying, and the waitress keeps coming back to the table, and I'm like, she's interrupting me. I just want to study. And I heard the Lord say, you're so busy studying that you've ignored one of mine. And I, I closed my Bible, and I looked up, and I began to talk to her. And her whole face brightened, and it changed her whole demeanor. And, and I thought, I could have missed that. I was so consumed in what I was doing. But my few words that I spoke into her changed her, changed her whole countenance. We have the power of life and death right here in our words, right here in our mouth. Don't be a tool in the hand of the enemy. Here's what I, I've said all of this to you to get to. Don, do you have the scripture that talks about the names of, of the enemy? It's in Revelation, and I'm going to close, but I, I just want to read this to you. Revelation 12, 9 through 10. I've underlined all the words there for you. So the great dragon, look at all the names of the enemy here, was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil, Diabolos, and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before God day and night, has been cast down. Look at those names. The great dragon. That means the sharp-seeing one. Oh, can I tell you, he's a sharp-seeing one. He sees. Was cast out, that serpent, Serpent because his eye, he eyes its object attentively. He's cunning, he's malicious, he's poisonous. The devil, the slander of the false accuser. Satan means adversary. Deceives, he causes people to wander, to be led astray, to seduce people into rebellion. And, and then the last but not least, the accuser of the brethren. That word accuser means to be critical, to charge with a fault or offense. It's the opposite of blessing. And here's what I tell you all of this for, to get to this point. When we accuse, when we defame, when we slander, when we gossip, when we find fault with, some, with one another, do you understand that we are behaving like di Diabolos, the devil, that we are partnering with him, that we are joining forces with him. We're, we're making ourselves available for his army, not God's. Do, do you see that? Is that enough for us to this week when we want to say something critical, even if it's justified? Because 
really, sometimes it's justified, is it not? People hurt you. You're justified saying, can I tell you what they did to me? But really, we defame them. Instead of calling out the God-likeness in them, instead of doing what the Bible says, the Bible says to bless your enemies, to, 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 um, to, to pray for those who, who despitefully used you. That means who makes your life horrible, who insult you, who cause you all kinds of grief and heartache and pain. Pray for them and bless the socks off of them. That word bless means to speak well of. Well, if you, what if I can speak well of them? Then don't say anything at all. Don't, don't say anything at all. Trust God with them. Lord, would you just bless them? Do you understand that the word bless, he's going to draw them closer to himself if, if, if he blesses them. I used to think, I can't ask you to bless them. I don't want to see her blessed. I, I, she's already getting away with so much stuff, Lord. I don't want to see her, but I want to see her nailed, Lord. Could you just nail her? I, I, that's what I want to see, and you want me to bless her? Bless her some more. She's already getting blessed like crazy. Okay, am I the only one that thinks like that sometimes? <laughs> but when we ask God to bless them, what we're saying is, draw them closer to you, Lord. Bless them. Bless them with revelation. Bless them with an understanding of who they are in you. Bless them and help them to see that what they're doing, the stuff they're doing, doesn't bless you, doesn't, doesn't, isn't, isn't, isn't God's best for them, that they're way outside God's will, that they're miserable. Bless them, Lord. I'm only going to benefit if he draws them closer to him. I'm only going to benefit if he lavishes them with some more of his love and they get a revelation of his great love for them. They're going to be broken about what they did to me. Lord, would you bless them? Here, here's what I want to tell you about blessing and cursing. Scott, if I miss something here, tell me. But, uh, blessing. You see, when somebody curses you, when somebody... Oh, I love it. If, if somebody, ask Leslie, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'll bless the socks out of them, don't I? If they blow their horn or give me, you know, a finger that's not very nice, I'll say, oh, bless them, Lord. Would you just bless the socks off of them? Because what's happened is they're cursing me. I can see it on their mouth when they, when they, when they blow their horn. And, and I don't want that curse to land on me. And if I quickly bless them, that curse has to bounce right back onto them. Follow me? So when that enemy of yours is cursing you and accusing you and insulting you, and you say, uh-uh, bless them, Lord. Bless the socks off of them. That curse isn't going to land on you. You're not going to drink the deadly poison. It's not going to harm you, but it's going to go right back onto them. It's going to land right back onto them. See, it has to find a place to land. That curse has to find a place to land. And if you don't receive it, if you bless in return, going to have to land right back on them. Follow me. One last thing I want you to see, Matthew 4, 1. Another Diabolos. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Diabolos, by the devil. That word tempt means to prove, to test, to tempt, to test by soliciting to sin. Get this. Stay with me just one more time. It means to know what a person's weakness is and to make it manifest to them, to the one who's being tempted. To know what a person's weakness is, and to make it manifest to the one who's being tempted. To make it manifest to them. 
Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, to find his weakness and play it up by a diabolos, by the accuser. Lord, help me with this. Do you know that the enemy hasn't changed his tactics? He so knows your weaknesses. If your weakness is rejection, count on the fact. He's going to play it up. It's going to be manifest in front of you. And you're going to have people rejecting you. Because he's soliciting you to sin. That's what temptation is. Solicit to sin. He wants you to sin. He wants you to open your mouth and say something. If your weakness is anger, he's going to manifest it right in front of you, giving you an opportunity to play up that weakness so that you, you, you solic- he's going to solicit you to sin so that you sin with your mouth. Follow me? If your temptation, if your weakness is gossip, he's going to put the right women around you or the right men around you gossiping You're going to join right into that juicy stuff. There's a scripture that says, gossip is like, John, do we have that one? It's like a juicy morsel that goes down deep. Do I have that scripture? Did I give you that one? Gossip is like a a juicy morsel. i got to find it because it's just good. The words of a whisperer, Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a whisperer or slanderer are like a dainty morsel or words of sport to some, but to others are like deadly wounds. And they go down to the innermost parts of the body or the victim's nature. What he's saying is you gossip and you think it's juicy. You think it's wonderful. It's sport to you. You're having fun. You're talking to your buddies about all the awful things that person did or what that, what that girl did. And, and you're just having a juicy old time with them. And it's sport to you. But can I tell you, it's destroying somebody's heart. It's hurting them deeply. We've got to watch what's coming out of our mouth. We've got to watch it. And the enemy, he knows your weakness. He knows if you're weak to that and you're going to gossip, he's going to put those people in your path. And you're going to join into that juicy morsel. And he's going to solicit you to sin. And he's going to pull you right out of that secret place at the Most High God. Because you can't act like that and continue in his presence. You can't do it. He's going to solicit you to sin. I just want to close with two verses. 1 Corinthians 5:11. But now I write to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of Christian brother if he is known to be guilty of immor- immorality or greed or as an adulterer whose soul is devoted to any object that usurps the place of God or as a person with a foul tongue railing, abusing reviling, slandering, or as a drunkard, or a swindler, or a robber. No, you must not so much as eat with such a person. And then Romans 1, 29 through 32, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. What are we approving of? Saul never cast a stone at Stephen, but the word said, He was standing there 
giving his approval. We never see him say, go for it, yay, 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 but just his presence there gave his approval. And when you stand in the presence, even if you don't, if you don't, if you don't join into the gossip, if you don't join into the slander, if you don't join into the fault finding and the criticism, we are guilty just by our presence there because it, it, it gives our approval. It says that what they're doing is right. And we've got to withdraw. We've got to call it into account. We've got to refuse to be associated with that kind of stuff. I guess we don't have to. I guess we can continue. But I'm telling you guys, do you want to go higher? I want to go higher. I want to go deeper. I want to know the secret things of God. Oh, I so want to know the secret things of God. I, 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 want, I want him to be able to trust me with his secrets. And that means I'm going to take his word seriously. That means, okay, Lord, you said this. I, I'm not going to strive. It's not about striving. It's not about legalism. It's not about I, I make mistakes, Rhea. Yes, we all do. It's not about I'm saved by works. It's not about a works mentality. But it also says that, that faith without works is what? Dad, I'm so sick and tired of people saying that's such legalism. There's such legalism there. I'm so sick and tired of that. Can I just tell you that the reality is you're saved by grace? Yes so that no man can boast. But the very fact that you are saved by grace and you understand it will make you want to work. It'll make you want to please him. It'll make you want to do what he says to do. And we've got to stop. The Bible says grow up in your salvation. Grow up. Stop being a baby. Stop being immature. I'm so tired of being immature. I want to grow up, Lord. I want you to be able to trust me with meat. I'm tired of the bottle, Lord. I'm tired of it. I read a scripture this week that, that talks about that, and in it it says you can't even talk. You, you're just an infant. You can't even talk. I love you because you're an infant. <laughs> but I want you to talk. I, I want you to grow up. I want you to mature. I want you to grow up in your salvation. And you see what's happening, I believe, in churches nowadays. And what I could let happen here on Monday night, if I wanted to, to get 500 million people here, <laughs> is I could just say, let's have a sweet little sermon and let's not step on anybody's toes and, and let's keep you happy and make you laugh and you can leave feeling good. And we'd all stay babies, wouldn't we? But I believe with every ounce of my being, with every ounce of my being, that we are called to grow up in our salvation. That we're called not to stay stagnant, to not stay mediocre, to, to not be complacent in our walk with God, but to challenge. To, he wants to challenge us to change. Because you see, when we are in the presence of a holy God, we should change. We, could, we should go from glory to glory. We should be transformed to look more like him and to act more like him. I just want to know, do you feel like you look a little bit more like him than you did in September? I, I hope that, that when we finish in June, we look a little bit more like him. That people start looking at us. Oh, it's my prayer that people start looking at us and say, there has been such change in your life. Where have you been learning this stuff? And you can say, come on Monday night. I just, I just want, do you not want that? 
The Bible says that we are his resume. We're his letter. People should be able to read us and say, he can do that? Look at what he did. Hotsy Totsy, that guy is good. I want some of him. That's what we should be. We should preach God, Christ always. When necessary, use words. Our life should preach, guys. Our life should preach. We're being transformed from glory to glory, looking more like him, transformed into his likeness. Oh, I want to look like my daddy. I want to act like my daddy. I don't want to be a partner with Diabolos anymore. I don't want him to use me as a tool in his hand. Look at that scripture in, in Psalm 91, and then we'll close in prayer. Psalm 91. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. You don't have to be afraid of it when you're in the secret place. You don't have to be afraid of what the enemy brings at you, his arrows, his pestilence, his destruction, his terror. You don't have to be afraid of what Susie down the street brings at you with her destruction, her terror, her pestilence, her arrows. But I really don't believe that you can be in the most high place dwelling in his presence and be the one who's issuing out pestilence and the destruction and the terror and the arrows from our mouths. We just can't. And so this week my challenge is to you to watch. Lord, keep a lock over my lips. Keep a lock over him, Lord. Ask him to give you a tender heart that you feel the prick before it ever comes out of your mouth. The Bible says that before a word is on our lips, he knows it completely. So, Lord, you know before it even hits my lips, you know what I'm going to say, and so please, would you prick my heart before I ever even say it? Give me a heart of flesh, Lord God. Forgive me for, for, for making it a heart of stone by, by turning a deaf ear to your ear and plowing through it and saying whatever I want it to say. Give me a heart of flesh again, Lord, that feels the prick of your spirit. That feels it. I, I want to feel it. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for every person here tonight and I thank you, Lord, that they are called by your name. I thank you, Lord, that they've been adopted, that they've been chosen by you, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, Lord, your word says that no man can tame his tongue. You have to do that for us, Lord, and I pray that you would teach us, Lord, teach us how to keep a lock on our lips. We want tame tongues, Lord. We want mouths that please you. We don't want to use the same mouth that blesses you and praises you to then curse our brethren and accuse them. And so, Father, I pray that, that you would just uh, purify our thoughts, purify our mouths, Lord God. Help us to speak words of life and not words of death this week, Lord God. And for people in this room who have been the victims of 
of, of slander, of gossip, of criticism, of fault-finding, Lord, of nasty, unkind words that are embedded in their thoughts and in their hearts, Lord God. I pray that you would just root out, root out those, those arrows, Lord, from their hearts and their minds. Neutralize the deadly poison, Lord God, and bring healing, Lord, into their lives. Heal the injury, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for the curses that we've spoken over people's lives. We break them in the name of Jesus, and we speak blessing in their place. Lord God, forgive us for being critical, for backbiting, for gossiping, for slandering, for any malice that's been on our lips, Lord God, for bitterness, rage, and anger. Father, we don't want any of that stuff in our heart. Lord, we want to learn to imitate you. And so, Father, would you just bless us this week? Would you draw us closer to you? Would you give us a new revelation, Lord, of who you are and of what you want us to do and to look more like you and to act more like you? Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.